It's just Norton. It's time for another episode of the All Things Techie podcast, where we're talking about CEOs resigning from uh, tech summits. We're talking about the Sphere in Vegas, Adobe with a new dress that changes colors, and Airtel. Air what? Here's the show that loves to talk about gadgets and gizmos, from A-Logic to Yamaha. Cameras to control panels. You get what I mean. We love talking all things techie. In fact, that's the name of the show. And here is your host, Justin. It's been over a month. It's been too long. It's the All Things Techie podcast. I'm Justin Dawson. Welcome to episode 84. Four of All Things Techie podcast, and if you'd like to get in contact with the program, the details is at the bottom of your screen right now. You can tweet or X me uh, at Justin or Dawson. You can also uh, tweet the show or X the show at AV Tech Junkies. I'm on YouTube where you can get the video format of this podcast at Justin underscore or underscore Dawson and I'm also on Instagram where you can see little shorts of this podcast Justin underscore or underscore Dawson great to have you back on the all things techie podcast um and I was meaning to do a podcast for some time now and then it is autumn time it is the season where kids get a lot of colds and my family has had bugs going round and round. Um, so, you know, when I recorded this podcast a couple of days ago, I sounded terrible. And thank you to all the AV tweeps. Names coming up on the screen now. Thank you to all the AV tweeps that uh, sent me messages saying get well soon and looking forward to you the podcast as well want to do a big shout out to the sharp nec guys uh who were over in dublin uh showing off some of their latest products and uh, they decided to take myself and a few colleagues out for a few uh nibbles and drinks uh in temple bar where they were celebrating christmas already in irish bars in temple bar our local festive district with christmas stuff already Moving on from that, moving on from that, um, Adobe <laughs> made an animated dress and a bunch of wild AI editing tools. Um, this came out at Adobe's annual Max conference, involved the company's experimental technology previews, and this year is no exception. Called Project Primrose, we've seen the concept of cars that feature color-changing paint technology, and now similar ideas are being worked into fashion. Project Primrose is an interactive dress, yes, a real dress, not some Photoshop feature, that demonstrates the potential use of flexible textile displays, allowing the wearer to display patterns and images on their body like a programmable screen. This is really cool, uh, and hopefully you're looking at this on the video podcast. If you're listening to the audio podcast, I always say it's worthwhile checking out our video podcast. <laughs> I, I think this is incredible. Um, so you can have different patterns. It means like you don't have to worry about like pulling open your closet and going, what shirt am I wearing today or what dress am I wearing today? When everything's just programmable, you know, don't like the design, just change it i can imagine these dresses are going to be expensive and will this ever catch on um as the 
addressed the numerous scale light displays don't look very practical, but it is cool and this is hardly something you wear on your morning coffee run, as, as someone said. The month has come. September was the unveiling of the Sphere in Vegas. This is amazing <laughs> and the technology that goes behind it and um, let me read up on some of these actual uh stats of the sphere uh it's cutting edge venue officially debuts in the las vegas uh strip and let's go into some of these stats for you uh the world's highest resolution led screen that will dominate the interior space of the sphere with four acre interior screen that will surround the stage and audience to create a completely immersive visual environment at its highest point the interior screen the size of about four football fields will tower 240 feet above the stage the steel framework supporting the 160,000 square foot screen and 160,000 speaker hollow plot multi-layered audio system weighs about 730 tons it is the most immersive thing you will come across the sphere will is home to the largest and highest resolution media display on earth the screen uh, wraps up around the audience more than 160,000 square feet of screen almost four acres it will have a 16,000 by 16,000 resolution a hundred times better than the typical home television and um, you might have heard on Across the Pond, the last episode with myself and my co-host Joe Way, we were talking about the Sphere because Joe was at the launch with U2 playing and was down at the base level and he just said that the whole surroundings was incredible. I am really looking forward to seeing this at Infocom because I have plans to be over in Las Vegas in 2024 for Infocom. Um, of course, beforehand, ISE 2023 is coming up. If you're following me on my social media channels, which I hope you are, um, you can, details on the bottom of the screen there, um, if you're following me on the social media channels, um, I will be over at Integrated Systems Europe, ISE 2024. Uh, coming up very soon, we have a show with Mike Blackman, David Lebowski uh, from... Um, Avixa and talking about the 20th year of Integrated Systems Europe, ISE 2024. Uh, the tickets are available now, so do register and uh, more details of how to register on the bottom of the screen as well. But what an amazing screen. Um, the, like I'm placing up some actual details of the Sphere on the video podcast here um, and how much the actual immersion is now really cool thing it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to advertise on the sphere's exterior wall and um, you might have seen a couple of films being advertised lately spider-man has been advertised on the las vegas sphere and um, but someone has taken the joke of the n11 in um in dublin uh well just outside dublin uh we have a type of sphere, but doesn't light up the same way as the Las Vegas sphere. And someone said, if we all donated 50 cent each, and there's actually a donate page, I'm putting the link in the show notes um, if you're watching as well. But the, 
they do have an actual sphere type dome uh, with all the road signs, the Irish road signs. And if we all donated 50 cent, we could get the sphere displaying this in Vegas for a couple of minutes, maybe, hopefully. Um, if we don't raise in enough money, uh, the money is going to Pieta House, which helps suicide awareness and also uh, people that have struggled with suicide tendencies. Great idea. I love it. Uh, hopefully we can raise the uh, the money. Uh, it's A guy just decided to put up a, a Go Donate page. Paul Breen, uh, an Irish man from County Wexford over the past week, uh, he has earned his uh, well-deserved break after years of working 80 to 100 hour weeks on the sphere, the $2.3 billion Las Vegas venue. Don't forget, uh, our... Irish Children's Hospital is ranging in at over the 2 billion euro mark. So, put the things in perspective of how much an Irish hospital costs to build for children and uh, the Las Vegas sphere. Having grown up in Pierstown and living in Bray for many years, Paul returned to live, li sorry, to live in uh, Ballycogley near Wexford Town, attending St. Peter's College. He went to study at UCD and worked at Ye Old Coopers in Pulling Pines. Eventually, Paul attended film, TV, and interactive media in Pulse College in Dublin. Um, and Paul has been involved with the Sphere. Uh, the Sphere started as a simple sketch um, years and years ago a circle with a stick and a person inside. Seven years later, that drawing has been made real a massive, immersive Sphere Club venue standing at 366 feet or 111 meters high and lighting up the Las Vegas. Uh, skyline. Sphere proudly boasts having the world's largest concert grade audio system comprising of 1,586 loudspeaker modules, 167,000 speaker drivers, amplifiers and processing uh, channels as well as 300 mobile speaker modules. Together these components deliver a crystal clear and multi-layered audio experience. The exterior also boasts 1.2 million 1.2 million hockey puck size LEDs that can be programmed uh, to create dynamic and colossal uh, image displays. And Paul Breen has been working uh, with you to designing the whole immersive experience for some time now. Um, and now U2's new residency in Vegas. Uh, the Irish rock band took to the centre stage with a colossal state-of-the-art spherical structure and delivered two-hour performance that left the audience in awe, as Joe Way uh, was actually describing on our Across the Ponds podcast. Um, out of the hundred, sorry, out of the seventeen thousand six hundred seats, ten thousand provide an immersive experience with a specialized sound system capable of making guests feel sound by vibrations. The Sphere proudly boasts having the world's largest concert-grade audio system and crystal clear multi-layered audio experience. Not only is the exterior of the building impressive, but the exterior boasts, uh, as we mentioned, uh, 1.2 million hockey puck-sized LEDs. The Sphere is charging $450,000 for just one day of advertising. The, one of the biggest construction challenges was lifting the 170-tonne steel compression ring into place in February 2021. I can't wait to see this uh, actual immersive experience. It looks 
absolutely incredible and uh, hope to see it in Vegas uh, at Infocom as well. Now, Paddy Cosgrave resigns as Web Summit Chief with immediate effects over the Israel Hamas comments. This story absolutely blew out of proportions last week, uh, listeners. Um, the chief executive of the tech conference said his comments had become a distraction from the event uh, taking place in Lisbon next month. Uh, Web Summit founder and chief executive Paddy Cosgrave has resigned following a week of controversy over tweets he sent about the Israel-Hamas conflict. Mr Cosgrave said he was rejoin- resigning as chief executive with immediate effect, admitting that his personal comments had become a distraction from the event and our team, our sponsors and startups and the people who attend. I sincerely apologise again for the hurt I have caused. Um, the Web Summit will appoint a new CEO as soon as possible. Um, so what exactly did he actually say? Um, a str- well, first of all, a string of tech companies pulled out of the Web Summit in recent days, including Amazon, Google, Facebook and Facebook owner uh, Meta. The departures were preceded by uh, Intel and Siemens, who said last Thursday they would no longer be participating in the November gathering. Um, in a week, post a week ago on X, formerly known as Twitter, Mr. Cosgrave said he was shocked at the rhetoric actions of so many Western leaders and governments, with the exception in particular of Ireland's government, who for once are doing the right thing. War crimes are war crimes even when committed by allies and should be called out for what they are. That was his tweet or his X message. To be honest, I believe it has blown out of proportion. There has been so many um, protests and marches to support Palestinians. Um, Israel is not innocent in any way, shape or form. Uh, the Irish government, the Irish president has come out um, commenting on the comments that Ursula von Handen made um, in the EU, saying that the full EU is in support. Ireland is supposed to be a neutral country. Um, has this gone out of proportions? Let me know um, by commenting on the All Things Techie podcast. Here's the details. Uh, at Justin Orr Dawson at AV Tech Junkies, if you want to comment on Twitter, or X, formerly known as Twitter, you can comment on YouTube as well. Uh, visit our YouTube page, www.youtube.com, for slash at Justin underscore or underscore Dawson. And I'm also on Instagram, Justin underscore or underscore Dawson. Now, while we're on the topic of social media, uh, Musk's ex-probed uh, by EU over violent content about the Hamas attack. Social media companies are required under new law to hire more content moderators and use risk mitigation methods to decrease harmful content. Uh, The European Commission last Thursday said it sent X a formal request for information under strict new digital content management rules following indications about potential terrorist and violent content that is on X, formerly known as Twitter. Elon Musk faces uh, intense scrutiny by the European Union after regulators demanded answers over concerns about illegal and even terrorist content on the social media platform. The European Commission late uh, last Thursday said it sent X a formal request for information under strict new digital content management rules following indications about the potential terrorist and violent content. Uh, X received a one-week ultimatum, so that will be when you're listening to, to this programme 
by two days' time um, until October the 18th to respond to regulators' questions about the activation and functioning of its crisis response protocol and will have to respond to other questions by the end of the month, October the 31st, the Commission said in a news release. Watch that space. Uh, TikTok challenges the 345 million uh, data pro- uh, Protection Commission fine or DPC fine for violations of child privacy rules. The social media giant says it's questioning the constitutionality, the Irish Constitution of the 2018 Data Protection Act, amongst other things. TikTok has launched a High Court challenge in Ireland aimed at quashing the Data Protection Commission's DPC decision to fine it €345 million Euro for failing to protect children's privacy on a social media site. Earlier this month, the DPC imposed a fine after investigating TikTok over how some of its privacy settings and features compiled with obligations under the EU's General Data Protection Regulation. Arising out of the various orders made against it, the online video hosting service Irish-based subsidiary TikTok Technologies Limited has launched judicial review proceedings where it seeks various orders and declarations against both DPC as well as Ireland and the Attorney general um (laughs) it's going to be interesting times about that now coming up later in the program i'm going to be talking to ian kiley he is a drone specialist i called him a drone professional he didn't like that title so i'm going to use the word drone specialist we're going to be talking about all things drones shortly but uh in one of these stories uh amazon uh is to expand prime air drone delivery in the UK and Italy, of all places. Competition in the drone delivery space continues to ramp up with Amazon's latest prime air expansion plans in Europe, taking on drone operators MANA, who are based in Dublin in Balbriggan, and uh, Wing, uh, who was based just up the road from me in uh, in Lusk, County Dublin. Uh, Amazon is expanding its prime air drone delivery service to the UK, Italy, and undisclosed third US city with deliveries expected to commence in late 2024. This adds to the company's existing drone delivery services in Lockford, California and College Station, Texas, where Amazon has been using drones to deliver packages weighing up to five pounds in one hour or less for almost a year. In an announcement yesterday, uh, or an announcement on the 18th of October, Amazon said it has a new MK30 drone design that is quieter, smaller, and lighter than its existing models, and that the drone deliveries will now be integrated to its delivery network. We're going to be talking all things drones very shortly with Ian. Um, now, more importantly, Airtel is gone. Uh, what? I hear all my young listeners uh, shout t- to the podcast. What is Airtel? Well, you know, Airtel isn't that actually that old. Well, I say that and I'm 40. Uh, I remember as a child going down the country to County Briscommon to my gran and turning on Airtel. Airtel went on the TV and it was all text based. This is before the internet and dial-up connections. Uh, well, if there, you were lucky enough to have a dial-up internet connection, you were looking at a saint. Uh, so, do you know, this is a, a fantastic article. Um, 
Tina Gates, who actually is an old Ballyfermot College student. I went to Ballyfermot College in, in Dublin. Um, Tina Gates, uh, now very much into journalism um, and studied uh, media in Ballyfermot College and worked for T for years. Well, Tina was actually one of the first people working with Airtel. Um, by the time you read this, Airtel will be dead. This is an article from the journal. Following uh, through on a promise made in the strategy document published in 2019, RTE has now pulled the plug on the teletext service. The national broadcaster is stepping out of the teletext game as part of its long-standing need to prioritise the digital delivery of services to meet growing audience demand. Well, even though it's digital, um, you know, digital audio broadcasting really never caught on in Ireland either. I know it's big in, in England, but uh, we only had, I think, three or four stations and RTE pulled the plug on it with the broadcasting authorities and we don't really have digital audio broadcasting anymore. Uh, before Google, Airtel served as the closest thing the average person had as a search engine. A source of cinema listings, flight prices and information, sports results, news, headlines, quizzes, even birthday messages. And I forgot about that, that Airtel used to do birthday messages, uh, complete with teletext cake graphic. It was back in a time when it was cutting-edge technology, says TV and radio journalist Tina Gates, who spent around 18 months working for the Airtel news service in its heyday. Airtel was a really breaking ground. It felt as if we were on fast track to new technology. I smile when I say cutting edge at the time, but I did. Airtel was formally launched in 1987, 11 years before the launch of Google. Primarily, it served as a newswire for the public, with journalists in the Airtel office processing and importing stories from Orti's central news computer. With that much news to collate, the work was bound to be intense. Gate described 12-hour shifts at the Airtel co-fails, uh, reflecting with surprise that RT workers' unions of the day agreed to the conditions, though it did come with four days off a week for salaried employees. There was no walking around or moving off to other areas. It was data input the whole time. Checking stories, writing stories, Gates says. There wasn't an awful lot of conversation amongst us because we were head down. You had to be very careful about your spelling, about your punctuation. Everything had to be checked. So it was quite intense work and you were highly concentrating all the time. I don't remember making friends per se. It was a lovely atmosphere. Don't get me wrong, but we were busy. Tina Gates speaks of her time at Airtel as having helped sharpen certain journalistic skills. It certainly made you think very very good at headline writing Gates said referring to the need to fit every Airtel news headline exactly into 33 characters now don't forget uh, Twitter or X messages are about 280 characters I believe so fitting everything into 33 characters exactly was some challenge the headlines created a lot of amusement amongst us. Uh, other high-profile journalists like Katie Hannon and Philip Boucher Hayes, both Orti, also count themselves as the alumni of the service. Um, some photos um, that I'm putting up on uh, the video format of this podcast of the old computers that were used uh, during uh, Airtel. And uh, like Airtel was used right up on during the COVID pandemic as well. Like, you think that it would have been dead in the waters many years ago and waiting for someone to pull the plug. But it was used uh, right up uh, into 
the COVID pandemic, which is only a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, so there's Airtel, all gone, uh, all gone. Coming up on the All Things Techie podcast, uh, in a couple of minutes' time, we are going to be talking to Ian Kylie all about drones. Stay tuned. Attention all Irish audiovisual professionals. Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Look no further than AV Groupie, Ireland's ultimate online hub for audiovisual networking. Join a vibrant community of AV experts where you can connect, collaborate and create magic together, all from the comfort of your device. Whether you're a lighting wizard, a sound maestro, a visual effects guru or any AV enthusiast, AV Groupie is the place to be. Post your portfolio, exchange ideas, find exciting opportunities and stay updated with the latest industry trends. The power of networking is just a click away. AV Groupie, the network for Irish AV professionals. Visit avgroup.ie. It's great to have Ian Kiley, uh, a drone expert is all I can say. Ian and I met each other at the Dublin Tech Summit there at the RDS uh, last month. I've been saying, listeners, that I'm going to have Ian on the show because when we met, he rescued me because my camera, this camera down here, had a couple of problems and he was good enough to give me an SD card to actually do some recordings. And Ian, th- at that moment, we 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 got talking about drones. We we must have been talking for a good half hour of your time. And um, let's start off at the very beginning. You're you're quite a drone expert. Well, where did you fall in love with with drones? Well, experts are very big words. Okay, um, <laughs> I prefer to go with specialist. And one thing I I only got into tech like ten years ago. Like I literally only have a laptop ten years, um, and. The drone industry is growing and moving and expanding so fast that I couldn't possibly know everything. I couldn't possibly know half of everything. So when people come out of the woodwork and go, oh, I'm an expert in that in the drone industry, I'm kind of going, oh, okay. Um, It's just so big. So so I think specialist is a better word. I also know lots of people that help and support my work and stuff like that. So uh, I have the expertise in knowing when I don't know something and going to find help. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I was in the hotel game for twenty more twenty more than twenty years, hotel and catering. Uh, I owned a cafe and a wedding venue in South Dublin. I worked for the Brennan Brothers at one stage in the park in Kenmare. Um, but then uh, in two thousand ten, I had a pretty bad accident, and then in two thousand fourteen, I injured myself really badly, and I was laid up for eight months. No way. And then I got shingles. And I was laid up for another four months. So I was basically in bed for a year. And during that time, I re-educated myself as a project manager and thought, "Mm, I don't want to sit at a computer all the time. And my buddy was talking about flying drones. So I went, that looks pretty cool. And that was really early days. Um, And I did, I pestered the government to give me money. Eventually, I think the local enterprise office just gave me the money to make me go away (laughs) to get started. Um. And I set up a, a small drone company. Um, I rented the RDS with a few guys and we ran Drone Expo. Uh, the problem was is we all had drones and we got licenses. I had license 001 issued to me. So I've been at this for quite some time. Wow. Okay. Um, and other people did the test before me, but mine was the first printed. Um, so when we rented the RDS, it was more to educate people on drones are really cool and we can do loads of interesting stuff. Um, so then the phone started ringing with people looking for drone services and we set up a consultancy firm and that was back in 2015 it feels like many lifetimes ago now 
going ever since. That I I have to say, like from from being in the uh, hold of the RDS, you think to yourself, not really made for flying drones around the area of of the RDS. How did like how were you dis- were you displaying them? Just uh, well, we had an expo. Yeah, so there was people with stands. Okay, there was uh, we had a room with talks. But we'd cordoned off a section and we actually had guys from drone racing, racing drones up and down. Now, it was a very small area and it kind of captured the imagination. And like on the, it was on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the previous Thursday, one week before, we still didn't, or maybe two weeks before, we still didn't have um, a media partnership and nobody wanted to know us. And then FM 104 said, look, we'll do something with you. And then we did a breakfast interview and then my phone rang all day with requests for interviews. It was a real slow news weekend and uh, we ended up on the cover of the Indo. I did the news talk. Two two departments from news talk were ringing me at the same time looking for me to do an interview. Like it just... Um... Okay, from a guy that works in used to work in news talk, you know that's when researchers should be talking to each other and going, "What have you got on on your show? And what have you got on your show?" Because but, but this was really early days. Yeah. Like people didn't know what a drone was. Like yes, when I went to the RDS to ask them could I book the space, they were like, "Well, you have to explain this to us." And I got a grant from Bray Area Partnership to get started in the original business, and. Somebody down in Cork applied for money for a drone project and they rang me and I was asked to go and advise on this other person whether they should get the money. Like, that's how early it was. Nobody knew what we were talking about. Yes, yeah. And that, now, back then, what was the main model type of drone that, that people were getting? So the Phantom 3 was on the market. Mm-hmm. The Phantom 4 was released the week of our drone expo. Um, and a guy called David, whose surname I can't think of now, he's now the deep tech guy in Ubotica in, in DCU. He His team had developed the, the sense and avoid technology for the Phantom 4, and they got bought out by Intel because of that technology. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. So like, that's how early it was. Like It was the first round with any kind of sense and avoid technology. Um, and so... That that was your beginning steps, but was there was there as much regulations in Ireland with regards to drones, or was it even thought about having regulations for for these type of devices being flown in the air? So a um, couple of weeks before the drone expo, Ireland was the first country in the world to have drone regulation. Um, a guy called Ralph James, who had been a former um, commander of the Irish Armed Forces, had, had retired and joined the safety panel of the Irish Aviation Authority. He was head of safety. And I think he went in. I, I don't know this. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he went in and said, look, drones are coming. We need to embrace this. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling. And there was a couple of other military lads, the guys that trained me, uh, Oshin McGrath, Garota Breen, and all those guys from what was then iFly technology and now FlyRide technology. And they were kind of driving that and helping shape that legislation. So I think the legislation was maybe 10 or 12 pages. um, And we thought we were brilliant. Um, the, the, The short notes for the new legislation is 410 pages. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we've come some distance in a few years but uh, you know 
like we did discuss this a lot, Ian, when I met you at the RDS, that it's so easy to buy a drone. Like you have your toy drones that you could end up going to Smith's toy shop and buying for your kids to what you showed me, which was quite a mammoth drone um, at the RDS. I, I, it was the latest DJI, was it? That, oh, that was an, an, a DJI M200 with a Z30. In fact, that's quite a small drone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yet, and yet for the day-to-day user, it, it would be considered significant. Yeah. Um, so... You said something really important a second ago. You say toy drone and smiths. Yes. Right? A toy drone used to be a drone considered under a kilo. Okay. Now a toy drone is considered under 250 grams. It doesn't have a camera. Right. So that, that's, so any, that's the way the regulations have changed since 2015. Well, it's had to because we were suddenly, the, the manufacturers were making drones that were less than a kilo that had brilliant cameras mm-hmm. and zoom lenses and all this other stuff. So under the current legislation, if you buy a drone that has a camera or it's more than 250 grams, you have to go on to mysrs at iaa.ie and register. And you can register as a hobbyist. It costs 30 euros. You must be over 18, I think. And you do a little test and like the answers are in the question. It's just kind of give you an outline of how not to do ridiculous stuff. Now, having said that, you know, you go into Harvey Norman's, you buy a DJI drone with a camera. Um, I'm sure you can buy ones in Smith's or toy shop over that weight and with a camera. But really, no one's stopping you. And I say the awareness, correct me if I'm wrong, is not there about the fact that you have to register it. Like I have a drone there and I'm just after learning now in the past minute and a half that i should have that registered that i, I told can't... you already you were you were too busy listening, not listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm yeah i'll tell you how prolific it's gotten right i live in south dublin i'm very um privileged to live here uh Kalini is in my backyard but dorky quarry is like a 10 minute walk from my house and dorky quarry has protected bird species living in it Mm-hmm. And I was hiking over it about three weeks ago and I saw a drone acting the maggot. It's a public park, so you're not supposed to be flying there anyway. Okay. And like, I'm not the drone police. I don't go chasing people down. Um, but I saw a guy on a phone with a controller in his hand and he had a drone on the ground when I got to the top. And I thought, when he's off the phone, I might just let him know that there's endangered species living over this wall. Mm-hmm. And I had an American friend with me and we were going for a walk. And anyways, I got his attention and I was like, hey, dude, look, just to let you know, there's endangered bird species living here. You shouldn't be flying here anyway. Please just consider the birds. And as I went to walk off, my American friend went, oh, my God, you'd get attacked in the US if you said that to somebody. And the guy shouts at me, goes, I haven't taken off yet. So there was a second person with a drone, the two of them in this place where, number one, you're not supposed to be flying. And number two, endangered species. And number three, the, the, the radio receiver for Dublin Airport is on the hill right beside them. So, like, their signal is going to be all messed up anyway because the signal for Dublin Airport is coming through, like, 100 feet away. Wow, So yeah. people, people are doing stuff they just don't know. Yeah, and but do you think the, the responsibility should be on the actual store or even even the likes of the big manufacturers, the DJI or anything like that, that put 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 a note or a leaflet inside the box saying, this is, I'm like, I'm, 
I'm sure if the laws, you say Ireland was one of the first with the regulations. I'm sure across Europe, it's similar regulations now. That's Well, now like, it's all the same regulation across okay. Europe. So it's okay, European right. legislation. Uh, okay. And we have advanced. Now, you've hit on a few things, right? I've been arguing that shops should take more responsibility for years. They don't really care. They're making a sale. Oh, furthermore, there's no after-sales support for a drone and everybody crashes their first drone. Everybody does it. Mm. But DJI have gone to town. So there is software in the DJI drones that won't let you safe fly over the RDS because it's a stadium, even though on the Irish map, the RDS isn't a no-fly zone. Um, right. So they there are lots of no-fly zones, basically every stadium and lots of other places. But like people don't know you're not supposed to fly over the Mint in Sandyford. Um, but it's clearly on the government map. So there is a government map now. It's been there for about six months. It's really accurate. And when you click on it, it tells you what you're not supposed to be doing in that in that area. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, is in my personal opinion, three to five years from now, we're going to have passenger drones operating in Ireland. We already have delivery drones. You can't have those drones operating, random drones operating the same airspace as passenger delivery drones. And I think that all hobbyist drones are going to be banned or corralled into small areas where the drone just won't switch on. Okay. Like, I have to say, like, I've had my drone. I bought a drone. It's not a DJI. I have to think of the name of the actual drone. I will I will get it out in a couple of minutes' time and and double-check on the, the name of it. But um, it's one of DJI's competitors. But the fact that I haven't turned it on in probably six months or eight months, like, that, as you just mentioned, Ian, there could be a possibility that like I'm limited to where I am flying it. Now, the places that I've taken it out and about is I've taken it out and about in scaries. Um, I've taken it out and about. You're, I, I see the eyes rolling. Keep going. Now, Keep going. And I've taken it out in Art Gillen. Um, Okay, Which, well, Ardgillen, Ardgillen Castle, I know it very well. Um, don't fly there. It's a public park. You need special permission. So is all public parks special permission? Yes. Okay. You need written authorization from the county council. I know that at one stage in Dunleary, they're making it really difficult. But if you have a license, they do generally make it relatively easy. I do a huge amount of work for Dunleary about town county council, and they make it very easy for me to fly. Okay. Um, Scaries, depending on the altitude, but Scaries is on the approach to Dublin airports, just FYI. Uh, yeah. Um, I think there's a 90, I'm going to look it up now while we're talking. I think it's a 90 meter uh, limit at the moment in scaries. But like if you fly over traffic or people not deemed to be under your control or property that doesn't belong to you, they're all currently faux pas. Yes, yeah. And to, to be honest, I haven't actually done that. It's mainly I've been on the beach in scaries and flying it out seaward. Um, say Art Gillen Castle. Um, I flew it over the castle, and uh, that that's as much as probably what I did, and probably just to get used to the navigations um, and the controls. I was flying the drone around Ardgillen, around the the hills, and down towards sea level. But do you, like from the last person I spoke to now, this is going back early ages of the podcast, about a good year ago. 
the main one that I always kept in mind, and because it's my own one and only drone that cost me about five hundred euro, um, is the fact that I want to see have line of sight, and it was never out of line of sight. I was I was hitting that panic return button as soon as it went out of sight. Uh, so <laughs> I know I know the the fancier DJI drones like with the the camera it's on it would would have a better five G plus connection that you would be able to see well, a longer view. Well, if you're not using the, the local internet 5G, the, you're, it's you creating a link between your yeah. drone and the thing, yeah, which is created by the drone itself. So out by Scaries, there's been a new, uh, fly, uh, the, the Fingal model flying club now has its own controlled airspace. Okay. Um, out that direction, rushes beside Scaries. I just can't find Scaries. Where's Scaries? So Rush is all currently green zone. So they only updated the, the maps um, in Dublin and Ireland in general, like 10 days ago. All right. So okay. if you want to know the actual, so ignoring DJI's, DJI like have 70% of the world's pr prosumer drones, the type of stuff you'd be flying. So if you ignore their software, please do try and follow. If you Google, let me go, um, IAA airspace map for drones, you will actually find all the legal places. And when you click on a place that's saying red or orange, it'll tell you why you can or to, or what the restrictions are in that area. Of course. Yeah. And and the other the other other place that and you might give me a slap on the wrist as well is Loch Shinny. Uh took it out around by Loch Shinny and flying it out around um that area as well. I'm not here to give out to people. I know, the I know. Then you fly over. So the signal traveling from the drone to the controller is actually coming like this. Yes. And when it's over water, the water absorbs some of the signals. So when you're over water, you're more likely to disconnect at a distance. All right. Okay. And also, the it, there's a slight delay between what you see on your screen and what you see in your what your drone where your drone is. So you mm -hmm. could actually have an accident and not know yet. Yes. If you're flying through your screen. There was there was a, I was down in uh, in Galway and doing something very similar and it took me a while to, to like hit that panic return button and like it took it took a while because I had it up so high that I I actually didn't even realize it was over my head when it was returning. <laughs> up so high below four hundred feet though. But below four hundred feet. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would hope so. It is. It's, it's, but like, interesting. While I was down in Galway, like the main, like people don't realize just how many different scenarios you could be using drones for. So when I was down in Galway, like, and that was a family holiday during the COVID lockdowns, bumping into farmers who was like, "Can I get one of these? Would I be able to monitor my sheep and be able to bring my sheep?" And like that's you know. For me, I was saying probably, you know, if 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 you get a small drone, but maybe you will tell me differently, like the laws of flying it around some whilst animal. Well, or, well actually, truck, I was at yeah. the flying championships a good few years ago, and people kept asking me, "Can I check on my cattle two kilometers away without having to get in the car and drive down and look at them?" Farmers check on their cattle twice a day. Mm -hmm. uh, can I teach the wife how to check on the cattle? Uh, can I round up sheep? And there was a time when people were using drones to round up sheep. Um, look, the use cases are just endless, right? We can map a bridge, build you a 3D model that's like accurate within a couple of centimeters, and we can do that for a couple of grand. Right. And that's a few quid. 
we mapped 500 acres in half a day, like really accurately mapped 500 acres. It would take six guys five or six weeks to do that. And we, we were more accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, surveillance, uh, I'm doing a job this week. I'm looking for bonfire materials hiding around Dublin City. Um, wow. Okay. And I'm like, you guys pay me for this? I do this for free. This is so much fun. <laughs> um, you know, I've been doing that for years, maybe eight years. Um, just on and on, like, you know, quarries are using them, farmers are using them, construction companies, architects, content creators, TV, like it's just endless councils. And pretty much any industry that comes to me and thinks they need a drone, I can find applications. Now, sometimes they're better off just hiring somebody because it's like a 20-minute job. But some industries have adopted their own because they just need them. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, so much now since I did a lot, my last podcast, which I mentioned a couple of months ago at this stage, not even a couple of months ago, nearly a year ago at this stage. And um, since then, uh, over the past few months, we've had a lot of reports of Dublin Airport, drones being flown in to Dublin Airport, Airport lockdown, flights cancelled, uh, Ryanair giving out. This is Michael O'Leary, the CEO of Ryanair. I'm talking from our calling, speaking to you from our operations centre, where in the last half an hour we've had another uh, drone closure at Dublin Airport. This is the sixth drone closure Ryanair has suffered in the last five weeks. It is unacceptable that our flights have to now do three flights have diverted to Shannon to Belfast this evening while our Minister for Transport sits on his hands doing nothing. Tomorrow- well, when's Ryanair never giving out? But well, Ryanair g- giving out um, about, uh, but like it is a serious offence. You know, it is dangerous. It's a serious offence. Um, a lot of questions of why were these drones being able to be flown in? But like, you just have to go around the perimeter around St. Margaret's and just go, how easy is it to cross that perimeter fence with uh, a flying object? Actually, um, it's not as easy as you think. Okay. So you've, you've hit on like 50 things there. And you're okay. like, um, let your let, 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 let so response. For instance, um, two, about two years ago, we were scanning for new um, satellite radar stations for Medairn to improve the weather. And one of the places we wanted to scan was inside Cork Airport. And the airport was closed because they were resurfacing the runway. Okay. And we, myself and my colleagues sat in an empty airport and we programmed the drone so that it would work inside the airport. And you have to jump through a massive amount of hoops to be able to fly a drone inside an airport. Right? And I'm not talking outside the fence, I'm talking inside an airport. Mm-hmm. And even though we'd done all the paperwork and everything was good and the drone switched on and we put in our control zone, as soon as we walked out in the runway, the drone just stopped working. Oh, okay. And we had to go through the process again, and we eventually got it working. Now, for me to get that working, I already had to be licensed. I already had to be known by the drone manufacturer. I had to get a letter from the airport saying that we're happy this guy flies here. I had to get a letter from the Irish Aviation Authority from my permission saying we give him permissions. Submit all that to the manufacturer, and they remotely unlocked my drone for a period of time inside a small space. Right? Okay. If I was to do it within the five kilometer zone of the airport, like the person outside at the end of the runway in Dublin Airport, they would have had to sit there and jump through all sorts of hoops for ages. They knew what they were doing. Okay. 
So it wasn't, it wasn't like, as, as I said before at the start of the program, Ian, it wasn't one of these buy and smiths fly it over and just cause chaos. No, it was thought about that, in my opinion. Okay. Now, the other thing is, is one of the other problems was, was there was a guy in an apartment in Swords and he got a drone and he was updating it in his apartment with the door open and the airport's drone defense system was picking up on it. And he got a knock on the door and it wasn't malicious. Okay. Right? But I can't share the information with you, nor can I share the pictures, but I have seen the statistics of how many times a drone appears in an airspace around an airport. And it's far more than you think. Wow. And most of them are not malicious. Right. It's, it's an idiot, somebody who hasn't programmed it properly, somebody updating a drone. As soon as that drone, depending on the drone defense system that's in the air, the local airports, it will either pick up the signal that between the controller and this ground station or the satellite navigation system kicking in. So they know where the drone is. They know where the controller is. So right. in Dublin airports, most recently, so the first time there was a drone spot in Dublin airport, I was giving a talk in SMBC, the aviation lessors company. And I was about to get up and give a talk. And my phone started ring messaging going drone in Dublin airport, drone in Dublin airport. And I went five, four, three, two, one. And my phone rang. And the first people to ring me was news talk. Man, you come on like this. Now, I actually thought it was going to be somebody else, and they rang next, and there was chaos. And in those days, they didn't really know what to do. But Dublin airports had a robust identification system for drones when the lasting, when the Ryanair debacle kicked off. Mm -hmm. Now, what wasn't public knowledge, well, number one on Today FM, I took Ryanair apart in about five minutes, right? Because they were talking absolute waffle. Mm -hmm. But the other thing was, was Ryanair didn't have enough fuel on board to circle, so they had to go land somewhere. Okay. So they weren't concerned about the drone. They were concerned that their aircraft didn't have enough fuel on board to go land. Mm -hmm. And then they said, oh, well, it's not our job to man the skies. But in actual fact, it's every aviator's job to man the skies. The skies. I would agree. Yes. So their marketing guy left with egg in his face. Um. But we weren't there to argue. The fact of the matter is, is people were doing stupid shit with drones. Please stop doing it. Now, um, Eamon Ryan was foolish to come out and say, oh, we'll get this sorted out in two weeks or whatever, because you're not allowed to interfere with the signal of a, of a moving aircraft. You're not allowed to interfere with the signal in general. Mm -hmm. They have found a loophole, and Dublin Airport are now capable of capturing a drone and taking command of it. But now, When you say Dublin Airport, have that ability have they got a trained team that will go drone in the in the airport or no, it's all or, done remotely it's all done remotely okay sorry i can't tell you everything yeah of course of course yeah because well, well like security I, I, i'm actually 10 days from now i'm hosting the world drone protection summit for airports in london i've i've hosted it twice before so i actually know the inner workings of all the different systems well many of them not all of them i can't know everything um, many different systems that are operating all around the world. So I can't be giving away their secrets because then people will find ways around them. Of so course. Let, Dublin does have a, a robust system. Yeah. No, no, it, it was more, it's more like, was there a specialized team? But you're saying it can be done remotely. It, it could right, be done. There is a specialized trained team and there is specialized equipment. Okay. And that's, that's as much we can, as we can go into that, For of sure. course, because of, of, of security on, on those things. But would this whole debacle of 
oh, the system wasn't in place. You're saying it it was for years in place. They did have the ability to. Ryanair and Aer Lingus were diverted because they knew the drone was there because okay. the system worked. Yeah. And people, the, that whole thing was lost on everybody during the whole thing because Ryanair just kept jumping up and down screaming. Mm-hmm. They knew the drone was there. The system did its job. And at the time, we didn't have the laws to capture the drone. And Ryanair were pointing the finger going, I'll sort this out, sort this out. This is a, an international problem happening in every city in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? If Ryanair hadn't made such a fuss about it, nobody probably would have heard about it. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Now, d- I'm living in Lusk. I did mention that to you when we met at the RDS. Uh, around my surroundings, you go uh, north and you will hit Balbriggan. And Balbriggan has MANA drone delivery. I believe Tesco is doing deliveries there. Um, we have have tried to get MANA on the podcast a couple of times. There hasn't been an interest, unfortunately. But we have uh, spoken... Oh, you say you came to me because you couldn't get them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's not true. That is not true. Uh, uh, as, as I said, expert, and I, 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 as you want to use the word specialist, but it's, you know, so we... But MANA is around. Now, MANA I have had, and it's you can just YouTube that, where they've had crashes um, of drones um, in Balbriggan area um, during the summer of 2021 or 2022. Um, but then, then Wing came along into Lusk, and Wing has been very quiet in Lusk. Uh, Alphabet Group Wing, um, they have uh, drones over in Europe. They haven't been doing as much deliveries in the Lusk area as what MANA would be doing in Balbriggan. Um, it's a question mark of whether they're using Lusk as a stepping stone for something bigger. And I think they are, but I can't confirm or deny that. Um, you, imagine, you have your theories on that. Well, the reason why, Bal- in my opinion, this is just all my opinion, because I actually know a lot of the people we're talking about here. Of course. <laughs> um, so, Balbriggan and Lusk are adjacent to Dublin Airport as such. Of course, yeah. But also, Balbriggan is in, in uh, what's the name of that zone? Hang on, I, have the, I actually have the zone map up in front of me. In uh, Gormanstown is a firing, military firing zone. And they're in controlled airspace. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing about it is, is being able to successfully do deliveries in controlled airspace relatively near to a city or an airport in built-up areas. But I'm surprised Wing haven't done more there. I presume they're doing it so they're cozying up to the Irish Aviation Authority because mostly the Irish Aviation Authority have been open to advancements and ideas before other countries. I think that MANA has set a very good example on how to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on the various MANA sites before they moved to Lusk. They were in Galway and I visited that site and before they were that. They were in Barack Obama Plaza and I visited that site. There is an air of we do things really professionally. I'm not saying Wing don't. I just don't know them as well. Uh, Wing did try to recruit me as a pilot there about two years ago. And I was like, well, I don't think you could afford my daily rate. Not because I'm that expensive, because I spend a lot of money on equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, So Ireland is a really good starting point. And I also believe that MANA are moving into Blanchestown. And I believe that at six o'clock this morning, they had their first offices dropped into Blanchestown because I saw something on on Twitter. Oh, right. Okay. So that appears to be 
plowing forwards, and they've, they've also announced some moving to Texas. But as for drone delivery, it's not, unless I'm corrected now, I know for Wing, Wing had three drops in the Lusk area. So if you were trying to get something, whatever it was, um, in, in a small little uh, delivery box, you had to drive to the field location to collect. Very so it's, a, it's very limited. Is mana dropping to houses in Balbriggan? Yes. They are. So I am of the opinion that in the early days before COVID, in fact, I think the first day COVID kicked off in Ireland as a national issue was the first day mana were supposed to start doing fixed deliveries in UCD. Mm-hmm. So two specific zones. So it's right. about building up flight hours, um, not flying over. So mana fly over houses and stuff like that. But in the early days, they they flew over fields and water. So I'm guessing Wing are using it as a test facility, but also using it to get their foot into Europe. Yeah. Um, whereas mana are much further down the road. They deliver to your front garden. And now, like in the early days of mana delivering, an entire team traveled on the road when the drone was flying. That's and they correct, made the drone yeah. safe. And I think I think that some of that still goes on. I haven't seen delivery in ages from them. Um, but it's all about like Boeing don't build an airplane and then go, okay, we're gonna put passenger that next week. Yes. They fly for thousands of hours, train loads of people, make sure all the safety issues are ironed out, and then they start talking to customers. Yes. Now, it, like even when I've seen Wing uh, during the summer of this year, they did a couple more demonstrations around our Lust Football Club, which would be um, in our sports hub and a bit of green there. But they were able to literally tell me on the second, okay, in about 30 seconds, you'll be able to see the drone flying yeah. overhead. And it was that accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I went to go to one of those wing things because I wanted to see it. And on their Facebook ads, they put somebody in the US had put on the Facebook but hadn't changed the hour. Right. Six hour time difference. So I showed up six hours too early or seven hours too early. And when I phoned them, they were like all apologetic. But I was like, nobody updated your Facebook page and you knew about the problem. So I drove all the way across Dublin to something. So I missed it. But apparently all the locals knew that I was wrong and when it was happening, but I didn't. <laughs> but there has, I know from like, I'm involved because my son's autistic, I'm involved in a lot of autism support groups and people worry about deliveries and the noise of drones flying overhead. But really with the wing drone, it was very silent. But people will question like the likes of mana flying into residential areas and dropping in someone's front garden both privacy now there's no i i've heard from wing i don't know about mana's drones there's no camera on them it's more of a a sensor to know their location but is it is it can residents object to these drones being flown into into residential but like you wouldn't stop a delivery driver driving into the estate like your yeah. child is less likely to get hit by a drone doing a delivery than a van's corner in the corner too quick when the kids are playing football that's true right? yeah now there are other issues it might get a bird strike do you know what i mean like there's always going to be issues but a car might get struck by a bird too mm-hmm. um and i'm not like defending it you know there are people that are going to be dissatisfied by it I believe, and this is third hand story, I believe when they were in down in Barack Obama Plaza in the local town that there was one person really giving out stink about it. And then they said, Look, we'll deliver your your 
groceries and we'll pay for them. And she went, oh, that's great. And they paid for her groceries and then she was happy after that. <laughs> How does that not surprise me? I'm sure I'm sure some Lus residents would be the exact same if, if and I'm, I'm sure that story exists in, in Balbriggan as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, there's, there's always going to be someone that's going to complain. Um, but where do you see the future of drones going, Ian? Like, I, I know... Um, one university, was it DIT or DCU, um, they did at, during COVID or maybe just before COVID, they did the um, medical delivery of insulin over to one of the Aran Islands. You're, you're, you're racking your brain to try and no, no, I know, I know who actually flew it. I know who did it. Like, it's, it's, we're in a small country. Yeah. Um, that was before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was a one-off kind of thing. Now, Sprite are coming to Ireland. Yes, and, I, and, and I remember when Wing came into Lusk, they were talking about... So I, I met someone that said he was a pilot for Sprite and he was going to... Oh, was that, that, was that guy's name Stephen? That's Stephen, yes, that's right. Stephen. Yes. Um, and Stephen was the guy who flew was involved in the putting together the plan to fly the insulin. But in actual fact, everybody got mentioned in the, in the newspaper article except Steve. I, I rang Steve and I was like, or maybe I texted him. I was like, how did you not get mentioned? Like, you did all the work. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So um, we're a long way from medical deliveries as a. Look, my ex, my ex, Mrs. is a doctor and she did a bit of the, the flying and helicopters with um, organs and stuff. Problem is, is you need a doctor to supervise. You need timers. You need reliability. We're still a good chunk away from that. I know in in Africa, there is a company that's sending stuff hundreds of kilometers. I'm I believe Ryanair and Bono have put a huge chunk of money into them, and mm-hmm. um, and that's well and good when you've no choice in a in a desert or whatever the case may be or over mountains. In cities, we're still a long way away from doing regular blood or fluid deliveries and samples and stuff. So do you think it's in Ireland, it's more going to be the delivery of your groceries and and food and deliveries going forward? It's, it's just hard to know. Like there's so much going on everywhere. Like I I would think that I'm pretty clued in. And mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of contacts. I've done, a, I, and I still fly missions myself and do all sorts of weird work because I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I see stuff online. I'm going, how did I not hear about that? Like that's, such a smart idea or that's so obvious and i never heard of thought of it before mm-hmm. it's just growing at such a mental rate and like in 2015 maybe i was in dubai when the first passenger drone flew and i wasn't there for that i just happened to be passing through dubai and i stopped to have dinner with a friend and read in the paper so i wrote an article for irish tech news and i was talking about the potential for passenger delivery drones it was only 2015 it was only eight years ago and I was mocked and abused online for, I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't get my drone to connect on my controller. How are we going to fly passengers? Blah, 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 blah. And here we are. Drone delivery has been going on in Ireland now for three and a half, four years. Yes. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But, but like, <laughs> I have to say, being a tech, um, tech geek, and the whole idea of sitting inside a drone and thinking, well, who's controlling this? Am I controlling this? Or, you know, or the, 
it won't be me. No, just you in particular. <laughs> yeah, it won't be me in particular, right? But like, yeah, especially when I don't know my height and where I'm allowed to fly. But, you know, even if you go, I'm putting the the rules in someone else's hands, it's like a self-driving car of going, meh, I'm, I'm not feeling too comfortable about this. Save it in a self-driving car because you're less likely to strike something else. Yeah. Well, the sky is a bigger place than the narrow road. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of arguments. You could argue it every which way. Fact of the matter is, we're our children. My daughter is four and a half. She's definitely going to be going to senior school in a passenger drone. Yeah, you believe, or have you the option to. Yeah, you believe it. You, you believe it's 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 not that far away then, Ian. I don't believe it. I see it. I go yeah. to places where these things are happening. <laughs> I I've sat in these machines. Do you know what I mean? Like. I know it seems very dystopian or far removed for somebody who doesn't even has never even flown a drone. Like I'm, I live this life. Um, you know, I I hosted the Air Taxi World Congress in 2019. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? And like the the head of development for Bentley was sitting beside me. All the big car manufacturers were there. All the big aviation manufacturers were there, and all the drone manufacturers. And they're like, no, no, we've already done this. We've done this. Boeing retired its first passenger drone in 2019 i think okay and it's retired and they've already built new ones that are like better and bigger will you see will we see more ai being integrated into the whole drone and the whole control of the drone um especially especially on delivery yes yeah unfortunately i think yes i think though the ai will like, if we're going delivering to passengers from A to B, right, it'll have to be very structured or A to C. And AI allows for, and this is just my understanding, a modicum of decision making. Mm-hmm. I think AI will be more suited to search and rescue over vast areas. And um, I think the military are going to use it beyond its capabilities and do some really stupid shit. Um, I'm really concerned about uh, melding AI with drones. I was talking to one of the head of sales for IBM. I was at the the Irish space. All the Irish companies that work in the space program all meet twice a year. And I was at that kind of lunch talk and the head of sales for IBM was there and he was talking about AI. And I, I, you know, I see the mad stuff. We're building drones and robots and stuff. When you start adding AI to that, like I think it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's it's nearly one of these moments where we have to embrace it as well because it's gonna it's gonna be pushed. It's gonna happen. You know, it's oh, sorry, it's already happening in Israel. Yeah. They've been using for years, right? And that that type of thing concerns me. Yeah, you know, like the dystopian stuff we see on Black Mirror and stuff. I don't even own a TV, but I, people keep asking me about it. That stuff is going on. That type of stuff. Like, I, I I love I love how many people like that are in, interested in tech and drones and stuff like that and go, but I don't even own a TV. I don't watch TV. I have no time to watch TV. I haven't owned a TV in about ten years. Wow! And you hold on. How do how do you get away with that? You have a young girl in the house. You just said, surely she's getting very pissed off about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it. Has, has this young girl got an iPad? That she she watches you. Right. Well, I I have caved a little bit. So about ten months ago, I was cooking the dinner and I turned around and she looked at me. And she goes, "Daddy, where's your television?" 
And I was like, I don't have one. And she goes all sassy. She goes, well, you're going to have to sort that out. But about six weeks ago, I was cooking and she asked, could she go out and play with the kids in the street? And I went, yeah, yeah, out you go. And I went and couldn't find her. And she had knocked on the neighbor's door and she was in the neighbor's house watching telly. And she had knocked on the door and said, my daddy hasn't got a TV. And they let her in so she could watch telly. I'm like, fuck's sake. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning but of it. I, I did. I did I, she does have a laptop and she is allowed to watch a bit of YouTube. And my my ex-partner lives on the other side of the city. So I do allow her to watch the iPad in the car sometimes. Because she's in the car a lot. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's relatively controlled. Yeah. Now, the, one of the things that I really want to get onto is like, we've talked about regulation. We've talked about where we think drones are going. but Starting off, uh, you we met, we were talking about this offline. Starting off, okay, our, the new regulations say that if it drones over a certain weight and has a camera on it, you should have it uh, registered. And I'm guessing go and get your basic training. Now you're doing a thing with SkillsNet to uh, to. Oh. Let me put it clear. Anybody can go on to IAA, uh, mysrs at IAA.ie and register a drone. You're not actually registering the drone, you're registering yourself as a hobbyist. Okay. A1A3 license and it costs 30 quid, I think. Anybody who wants to work with the drone must have a minimum of an A2 license, which is a step up from the A1A3. And I think it's like 200 euros, something like that. But if you want to start doing complex work or working near airports and things like that, there are other layers and paperwork you have to do and stuff, and it gets quite complex. So a huge amount of people come to me seeing as I'm a consultant in this area, and I do actually fly myself. Um, so Skillnet Ireland and myself got together, and I've actually given you a copy of the letter. You might stick it up on the podcast. Actually, Of course I will. Yeah. Um. So businesses regularly come to me for consultation. We think we need a drone and they're all panicky and which one of our staff is going to do it. And some more often than not, we sit down and we work out that you just need to hire a good company or myself and we'll do that job for you and then you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. People that need it ongoing, we, we help them decide. So the course is half paid for by the government. So it would be 300 quid for the day. It's only 150 to attend. We will bring you in and register you as a hobbyist. And then we'll take you through the steps and drill down into why you think you need a drone, the steps of how you need to get to where you need to get. We'll talk about insurance, what type of craft to get, what type of software to use. So by the end of it, we'll have also sorry, given you a go of a drone. So you might decide that you, you don't feel comfortable flying one because there are lots of people who probably shouldn't be flying. And mm -hmm. um, so the skill net course, which will be shown on the screen right now. <laughs> um. You can sign up for that, contact them. And I actually personally give the course myself and we do it to educate people so that they're doing it right and not getting ripped off. And like many of them will probably need to go on and do the license, the full licensing, which I don't do. I have nothing to do with. I can recommend somebody, but by and large, we're just there to figure out what it is you need and how you will get there. And so how many different licenses is there? Because I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I guess like you do stuff with the space agency as well. We need to, we need to, tie this together how did you go with drones drone pilot space agency Where, where's the connection i am a drone advisor to the european space program uh, which is really cool i never thought those that words would cool. cross my lips 
Sorry? Yeah, that is cool. I, I, to, have, to have that on the business card is... is yeah, like cool merch. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I recently got one of the jackets that the, the astronauts get. And I happened to be in the ESA shop the day that it opened and they had one in my size and, and I, I got it. But very random. Apparently there were only 16 extra ones in out of the whole batch. Anyway, nice. that's neither here nor there. Uh, in 2018, myself and a buddy Keith Tracy shared Keith, brilliant drone pilot. Um, he and I kind of drew out a napkin and a couple of ideas on drones to help firefighters, blah, 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 data management. And we started trying to build the concept out. Friends looked at it and went, that's a pretty good idea. We entered the National Space Award and won it. And we went on to represent Ireland. And I thought we were going to France for a week's free drinking. But we actually won the European Space Masters. Wow. Uh, we won 63 grand. Um, nice. And then we came back to Ireland and we were invited to join the space program. And they gave us another 50 grand. Um, and then companies started reaching out to us going, oh, these drone things are pretty new. Drones need satellites. Can you help us? So I ended up working on a couple of international projects uh, as a drone specialist for the European Space Agency. That is cool. That, yeah. that is, I, I still do work with the European Space Agency. In fact, I was a judge for the Space Masters for two years, which was also very cool. That, that, but that, 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 that in itself, and you, you brought up a great one of where, I know we were talking earlier about where do we see drones going? And, you know, search and rescue, emergency services. I think I did see one that uh, was drones being flown internally in a building, but being able to put out fires by that type of heat sensitivity. And it, it nearly linked in with AI as well. It's like, I can recognize that the heat is hotter over here. So therefore, I'm going to send the, the pumps connect you you're you're looking you're looking behind you while 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 he is looking behind him to get it is well, drones on the floor they're charging so this here mm -hmm. is a mavic 2 enterprise now i broke the top over that's why i held together a bit of tape very very technical and um, this has a thermal camera and it has a zoom camera so this mixed with the so this is a Mavic 2. Okay. Right. This is a 4K camera. Years ago, I would have needed to have flown like 15, 20 kilos with a giant camera on the bottom to make content for a TV program. Now I can do it with that. And that's considered obsolete. Wow. This okay. is also considered obsolete. This is, they're the same, effectively the same craft, except this one has a thermal camera and a 4X zoom. It only weighs about 800 grams can fly for half an hour and I can also on top put a beacon uh, a speaker or a light beam that looks like a helicopter flying above you and I can pick one up for second hand for about two grand wow okay and so, these are obsolete <laughs> so that's how quickly it's advancing yeah so but it also goes back to your courses and just go you know the main the main reseller is Maverick or DGI. You know, are you hearing people go on the Skillnet's course and they might have ones that are not DGI or would you be going DGI well, or nothing? We've only just 
just launched the Skillnet course, so we've only got a couple of people signed up so far. Um, but like I come across those type of people all the time, day to day. That's why we developed the course. So yeah. there, it's definitely going to grow legs. Um, mostly prosumer stuff is DJI because the range of sensors are just so good. Mm-hmm that come with them now like we'd be able to I, i'm able to access sensors and buy stuff that like you can't go in and buy off the shelf like you know, really high quality stuff they just wouldn't sell it to you because you don't know what you're doing um there are other manufacturers out there like mana Aero are building their own drones and mm-hmm. um, wing are building their own drones intel tried to buy a drone company and made a hames of it and they just disappeared um but dji is where it's at really at the moment unfortunately yeah yeah no because you know, I, I have to look at my mobile here to remind myself of what my uh, drone was. Um, and typically, I won't find it in a hurry. Hotel, uh, unique. Uh, do, do, do. Uh, do, do, do. It was using the... Uh, it was Holy Stone, which is probably one of the... Oh. Yeah, one of Don't the old. Them around. Yes, bought on, bought on Amazon, four hundred quid. Uh, bit of a an early Christmas present for me a couple of years ago, but uh, I I don't know. Like they probably haven't done many updates to their software, and I don't even know if they're still in business. Okay, <laughs> that would be yeah. <laughs> like the fact that I don't know probably means they aren't still in business because I haven't come across. And that's not saying there are lots of small manufacturers out there. Like you know, like picture the car industry a hundred years ago. Everybody was out trying to build a car, and mm-hmm. now we've probably got like five big players who own twenty car companies. Two. Um, the drone industry 10 years ago was like that or five years ago everybody was making a drone and then they were like well we're just making the camera and Hasselblad you know rather than trying to make a drone they sold their cameras to DJI which made sense mm-hmm. and it's all narrowing down narrowing down and now the same thing is happening with delivery drones And so it, starting off on, like if with the skill nest course you you mentioned that you're going to give advice and you you would hopefully try and link people up who uh with uh, even a second hand drone what would be the starting price of a dji drone that for for basically i always try and encourage people to buy second hand first right so you like a mavic 3 nowadays i don't know is like for all the bells and whistles probably like three to five grand Okay. Right. But the Mavic 2 Pro, like the one I just showed you, is still a really good drone. And you probably buy one second hand for a thousand quid. And some guy would have really looked after it and you'll get five batteries with it. Mm-hmm. And you're going, that's a great starter kit for somebody who wants to make content. It's got sense and avoid technology, a 4K camera, blah, blah. Why would you need to buy more? And yes. the likelihood of you crashing the first one is quite significant. So go master it. You might decide a week in you don't like it. Yeah. And I would encourage people to go on to Facebook pages like Drone Owners Ireland, SUA Drone Operators of Ireland. And the people flying drones are mad about it and they really mind their kit. Now, you, so, you, you, you just sh- showed me two drones there in that, like you say, are obsolete. But the nice thing probably about the DJIs is they're interchangeable. I'm sure you can use those wings and propellers. No, no. <laughs> okay. Every, yeah, every because the next generation, the battery is a different shape. You're getting 10 minutes more flight time for 20 grams less. 
they're, they're all different. Right. So it, it can be a costy. It is at that stage, like you're talking about when you're talking a thousand plus euro, you will would want to be going semi professional and going into. It's not. It's more in, than a hobby at that stage. In 2021, I dropped over 100 grand on drones. Wow. <laughs> not crashing yeah, drones. Sorry, I don't mean that. Oh, I don't mean that facetiously. We had. We were working on projects whereby we were buying big drones. Like mm. I wouldn't. If somebody came to me and said, we want you to do this project and we're, you're going to need you to buy this drone, it's 100 grand, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. When I first started flying, I used to crap my pants flying my 1500 euro drone because I couldn't afford another one. Of and course. if I crashed it, I was starting from zero again. But it's like driving a car. Eventually, you just become so familiar with it, you forget. Yeah. Now, do you, and do, just you becomes... do you find like, okay, the, the models might change, the, the shape, the batteries might change. But with regards to the joystick and the controls and the apps, they remain consistent with with the manufacturer. Or yes or no? Yeah, kind of. The, the apps have gotten far more, more complex because the, they're facilitating various interchangeable sensors. Mm -hmm. And I found flying got so much easier. Like, okay. You're not really flying anymore. And I find it hard. Oh, I don't want to insult anybody. I find it really hard to hire a young fella these days to come and fly with me because they've learned on something that they haven't really learned to fly. Yes. yes. And uh, like, you know, there is you know one what? young lad that works even, with me. And... Even with the Holy Stone uh, one, like it's, it's connecting to an app on my phone. So, you know, really, ideally, I would imagine it's better to have some type of screen that's a bit larger than your mobile phone to be able to view the content and the controls and the different buttons than that one on your mobile phone. The a lot of the buttons are like a gaming controller are built into arrange your hand. Like I, I have to say I've become a little bit lazy in some respects. And when I'm flying a small drone, I generally just hook it up to my phone. Yeah. Now okay. I have other like other drones, like the expensive ones, the big ones that we're flying, we're flying that from a laptop. And the laptop's giving off its own radio signal. And we have um uh <laughs> we we keep a lunchbox on the table and there is a, a what looks like a gamer controller in there, but on the front of it there's a picture of Batman slapping Robin and says, If you need to open this box, you better be fucking sure you know what you're doing. Because okay. all the emergency switches are on that. So if all hell breaks loose and somebody needs to manually fly it. They flick the switch up and take control. But if they flick the switch down, a seven square meter parachute pops out and the drone floats to the ground. The whole system has to be reset. Right. Wow. <laughs> so okay. if you're going to pop that switch, you better know, you better be sure that there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, okay. Right. And the I, laptop is effectively doing the flying. Right, right. So, so, but, so what, what, what is the biggest size drone that you have flown now I, I know you're, you're talking about you've done stuff with the space agencies but what, what what's your what's your biggest toy the biggest one that i've flown well about the size of a kitchen table wow okay which is large. so i have like a seven foot wide drone in my office that we haven't flown in years and when it was built it was built in china and it was a piece of junk and i eventually retired it because i'm just so scared of it it was so dangerous and um, we probably shouldn't have been flying it in hindsight. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But I have another one that's kind of six foot six. I haven't found that in a while, but I used to fly that quite a lot. We were using that for testing navigation systems. Um, but like I'll pick pick up any drone and have a go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm in this unique position. That I've been at this for a very long time. And in some circles, they'd be like, oh, that guy like knows a lot about drones. So I'd often arrive somewhere and they would put control into my hand to let me have a go. And that's quite unique because generally people don't let other people fly the drones. Now, a lot of professional lads, we lend each other drones all the time. And I, I lend drones to guys all the time. In fact, I bought a drone off a guy and then he asked if he borrow it. And in the first year, he had it more than I did. And, and I bought it off him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've flown all sorts of everything, but probably the kitchen table is the biggest one I've flown. Do you like this idea of, now you, we mentioned about laptop and mobile phone. You see people that use VR headsets with drones. Yes or no? Are you a fan? They're not VR headsets. They look okay. like VR headsets. They look okay, right? Yeah, they do look like it when they're looking inside. So that's called FPV, first person view. It to them it appears they're looking at a, a screen in a cinema. Okay, so yeah. it's, it's not the VR type of environment. It's not the no, not at all. No, no, they're okay. seeing real time what the drone is seeing, and they feel like they're in a cinema because the, the the field of view is so large. Okay, but it has its drawbacks. You can't see behind you. You're not going to see an aircraft approaching you. Drone racing; those drones tend to travel at up to two hundred kilometers per hour. Most of them are in the 120, 140. They, they uh, that's a, that's an area we haven't even touched on. We haven't even touched on drone racing. Like I, I remember like watching watching some over Christmas and over COVID when you're just flicking through channels and sitting on the couch with young kids. They were young at the time, but like you got addicted to watching some of these on BT Sports, the the drone racing, and uh, by God, they are fast. You know, like I, I'm I get nervous flying a drone out of sight. How they can keep track of a drone going at that speed, going around a short circuit, and inside what's no better than a warehouse. Uh, I know Red Bull, I think, did a lot of the, the drone racing as well. Red Bull, of course, the energy drink that's involved in all these type of adventure type of sports. But uh, is, has that ever piqued your interest, the drone racing? Have you tried it? I have tried it a few times, Jesus. Oh, you're digging me into a hole now um <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at, at fpv flying right okay. it doesn't suit me now i've never tried beyond like i have an fpv drone in the corner there and it's been out of the box twice in its life okay um fpv guys if you buy an fpv drone they won't appreciate you you, you need to build one okay um in 2015 uh, I gave a few hundred euros to Drone Racing Ireland to sponsor an event. In uh, they let li- they allowed a limited number of us use. Um, what's the the racing track in Nace? The car racing track. Um, Mon- not Mondello. Mond- Mondello. It is Mondello. Yes, yes. So they allowed they allowed us camp in Mondello and race drones. Now I was just there for the banter, and I gave them a few hundred quid sponsorship because I was running Drone Expo. The next year, me and my buddy got it into our heads that the sponsorship money hadn't been spent well. <laughs> so I brought my operations tent, which is like a 10 foot by 20 foot marquee job. And I used to be a caterer. So we went to the supermarket and bought all the food that was nearly out of date, pre-cooked it. And we went down and we threw a party, me and my mate. We gave away 100 cans of beer and 100 hot dogs. And 
we spent the weekend at the drone racing with all the guys having the crack. And about four months later, I am talking to one of the heads of drones for Europe on an escalator in Amsterdam. And some girl coming on the escalator going the other way reaches over the escalator and goes, oh, my God, you're the hot dog guy. (laughs) (laughs) So that changed from being a drone specialist, a drone (laughs) consultant to the the hot dog guy. I was just the guy that cooked her a hot dog, gave her a beer, and she remembered me. It's just highly amusing at the time. Now that I look back at it, like probably not that good. Like, we were like all sleeping in fields for two nights, and you know what I mean. Like, well, it sounds, it sounds like the the best of fun. But you know, a very skilled. Like, you want to be a, a. It's a mixture of being a gamer and also having that peripheral vision, I guess, in in a headset and field of view that you can actually go at that speed with a drone around a short circuit and those guys have probably put a hundred hours into learning how to build that drone and get it right and phone people and looked at dozens of youtube like they've the the journey from them to from starting to flying in and of itself is a huge journey and the first couple of hundred times you have a go you crash so they fixed that drone a couple of hundred times before they flew it properly yeah it's a massive, massive amount of energy gaming engineering Good eyesight because and good go quick with reactions, you physics. know. Physics, Electronics. yeah. <laughs> now, next year, um, and we did mention it on a previous podcast. You have the drone summit coming up in the RDS. This this sounds very exciting. What there, there is coming. a drone summit. It's not mine. It's not yours. I, I okay. Look up. So I ran with my colleagues. And, and all the support to the drone industry because we couldn't have done it without them. In 2015, 2016, we rented the RDS and had Drone Expo, or 16, 17, something like that. I think it was 16, 17. Um, myself and this guy who professionally runs events have kicked around the idea a few times about running a drone event. I'm too busy to... I don't have the skills anymore because it's become far more complex to run an event. Um, to run an event. And he asked me, would I help his team? So... On the 1st and 2nd of March in the RDS, you can go to droneeventireland.com. I'm looking at the website here to look it up. And you can register as an attendee for free. Um, or you can pay, I think, 120 euros and you can go to the talks. But like there'll be loads of stuff for attendees without having to spend any money. Um, I know that a good few people are signed up stands-wise. I know that... A- some brilliant speakers are signed up. In fact, friends of mine are flying over from South Africa to do the speaking slots and they're coming out to visit their mates and hang out and they're crashing in my house. So like there's people traveling from all over. Like this this event has really grown legs. Um, go online and register for a ticket even if you don't know whether you're going to go in a few months. We need to start building those numbers so that we can start making it worthwhile. Um, I personally am not really benefiting. I'm moderating the event. So I'm going to be organizing the speakers and interviewing them or helping them so yeah droneeventireland.com in the rds on the first and second of march 2024 we are also going to put up your skills net uh, course as well because uh, as you mentioned you are teaching us and um, you also have set up a new company we better give out the the web address of that and how people can get in contact the website yet so up until Last week, I was CEO of Drone Consultants Ireland. Uh, I am now head of Drone Space Limited, 
drone. You can reach me at Ian at dronespace.ie, which I'm sure you'll put on the screen. So yeah, of course. Some point. That's my, not right my thing. It's not. Um, you can see my daughter's playhouse there. If you very. I know. I know. I love. I love that. Like you know, uh, if you if you ever get brave enough, you probably do like some drone racing over over that that house. Would you believe? I can't really show you now because the camera won't move. That is. That was my. Okay. Santa got that for my daughter, but it was actually my sister's playhouse. I had it repainted and on the roof lifts off and there is a drone port painted onto the roof for passenger drones. You did that purposely, didn't you? Yeah. I did on that purpose nice. because by the time she gets big enough and it goes on to one of my niece, grandnieces or nephews or my grandchild, that will be a thing. Now, has, has your daughter taken any interest in drones? Or is it she just has. Like daddy's toy. She has. So uh, Victor's Way is up in the Wicklow Mountains and it was closed for us to do a survey. So I gave her a go one day uh, and she loved it. Um, Victor's Way is full of giant statues and stuff. So we sat in the the, the, the lap of a statue flying. I then, uh, about three months ago, I took her to Dorky. Oh, she's had a go maybe 10 times. But I took her down to Dorky and we sat flying out over the ocean and some woman came running out of a house and started screaming at me and she wasn't making sense. And my daughter's very timid, unlike her father, who's a big loudmouth. <laughs> um, and she really frightened my daughter and she started threatening us and shouting. And the only, I said to her, look, we're flying out over the ocean. And I said, is that your house there? And she faltered and went, it is. And I said, we're just going to fly over there, photograph your house and put on a local Facebook page and tell everybody what a wanker you are. And then she stormed off. <laughs> But my daughter won't pick up the controller since, and she she was extremely frightened. Oh dear! Nice. Okay. Oh, so, and like uh, she was going on about endangered species in the island. I do have an endangered species license to to use drones around endangered species, and I also have a drone license. So I was breaking no laws, but the woman wouldn't engage with me. So if you think somebody is treating you badly or spying on you, go and engage with them and talk to them about the drone. If they're wearing a high vis jacket, they're probably at work and not interested in what you're doing. Yes. Uh, now, again. Th th once more, you have mentioned so many different licenses. So, you know, can you be a hobbyist uh, and get your basic license and then go, well, I also would like to do endangered species. Sorry, or... endangered species license comes from the Department of uh, the National Parks and Wildlife Service. Okay. So so I was totally helping separate. the National okay. Parks and Wildlife Service and they issued me an endangered species license so that I could be legal to work with them. Okay, right. Okay. It's, it's quite unique. Very few people have it. And that's, I've taken a real interest in where there are endangered species around me to evade them mm -hmm. because of that work. So my, my work brings me to all sorts of places. I made um, some videos and content. So my, my friend's married to a girl whose mom looks after the, the bird sanctuary in Buddhistown. All right, okay. And they were trying to document the species that were there. So I, I got the job of documenting the species, like, as in doing the flying. So I find myself, uh, you know, that's a UNESCO site. So I had permission, I was given permissions to find a UNESCO site, which is on of itself very difficult to get. Mm -hmm. So I, I end up getting all these different licenses and things to do weird jobs. I, I then have to ask you, Ian, what's been the most favorite place to fly a drone? Favorite place to fly a drone? I did. Oh, there's so many. I enjoyed <laughs> top ten. Top ten. Airports when nobody was there. Okay. Um, I, I've flown in military bases. Uh, I flew. I, I, I actually went to France and took a team with me to go train on military equipment. 
Uh, I've actually gone abroad to accept equipment for the Irish state where I got trained and came back and trained them. So I, I, every every month is completely different. And uh, uh, so the the hundred thousand that you mentioned that you've spent, you know, it's money well spent because you know no day is the same. It sounds. Uh, yeah. And I tell you, I've also gotten to go spend huge amounts of other people's money. Well, yeah, that's always good. But... Which is also great. It feels like your own, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's well, especially especially when you're spending that and just going, okay, I hope I bought the right team that's going to actually fly the way you wanted to fly and do what you wanted to do. Yeah. I flew inside the Magdalene laundries. Wow, okay. So the Magdalene laundries are now closed to the public because they're too dangerous to enter. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was happening was was the buildings were starting to fall asunder but people were asking to go in and film so we basically went in for the council and took the final reels of footage and now the place has been condemned and nobody's allowed to go into those areas but we were like flying through caved in floors um, around the church like the heating still on the church because it's still a consecrated building it has to be protected so there was all this stuff going on um, and I'm actually, uh, I'm about to release 60 photographs that I've taken over the last eight years. And in it are photographs I took inside the Magdalene Laundries, but you won't know they're inside the Magdalene Laundries because I don't give context. Right. But like, you know, so, it, it, yeah, it, that was a real weird. It location. just shows you where um, film and documentaries are going. You know, that it a lot more. What, what, what have been big rigs, especially with camera work, you can now do with drones and you know get get shots that we would never have been able to do previously with with films it creates its own problems too though like i flew up between two floors so i'm down here and i flew up between the two floors i didn't realize there was a cable hanging here and my sensor was telling me that there was something in front of me and something the side of me and the drone wouldn't move more than an inch and like the battery was starting to run out and i'm like oh and it was like what's that what's that movie austin powers where he's stuck in the oh yeah where he's starting stuck in the car, car. car door going from left to yeah, right so my drone was basically in a position like that but it was a virtual position the lasers coming out of the drone were touching things that weren't on top of me but wouldn't let me move because they were deemed to be too close <laughs> and i eventually had to turn them off and like worm my way out and then come back but like i didn't see the cable because like the, the light wasn't right and, and I, I could have lost my drone no problem yeah, and and with that, like yes, a lot of these drones have the built-in SD cards to do the recordings. But you know, if you do lose a drone, you could lose a lot of footage unless you have a good Wi-Fi connection. That might be no, not even. No, not, not unless you've got a really good drone that you've got another SD card in the controller. Okay, no, so, that's not that's not standard. Well, yeah. it is in the newer stuff, but the older stuff, like yeah, your stuff was gone. Yeah. Well, Ian, I've used up a lot of your time, and I really appreciate it. We could talk about drones all night long, and I'm sure you you have spent. I'm really impressed with your level of understanding and your questions. They've been very, very thank you, well thank researched. you, thank you. Um, if people, uh, again, we're going to put your email address on the bottom of the screen. So, uh, if Ian if people... at dronespace.ie, Ian at dronespace.ie. Uh, really looking forward. I hope to get to to the drone summit next year i'd love to come along and uh do some live recordings there as well why don't we do a podcast from the drone summit i'll line up three or four good speakers that would even be better 
especially especially if they're coming all over the globe that would yeah. be really cool to do and well, stick it in your diary and reach out to me in early february end of january early february and i will arrange for you to sit down with people that do like i know women that fly security missions across the desert tracking um lions and tigers and stuff in africa and stuff like i know all sorts of interesting people i have two best-selling books with interesting people from all around the world i'll definitely hook you up my thanks to ian kiley for joining us on the all things techie podcast this has been episode 84 of all things techie Coming up in episode 85, we're going to be uh, doing a lot about projection mapping. That's coming up. Uh, the Halloween period is upon us and uh, a lot more. And I'm also going to be talking more about Integrated Systems Europe, ISE 2024. If you'd like to get in contact with the program, the details are on the bottom of the screen at Justin or Dawson. Uh, at Justin underscore or underscore Dawson on YouTube and Instagram. And of course, you can visit our website for all past episodes of the program, uh, www.allthingstech.ie. Take care and I'll see you soon. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Techie Podcast, part of the Extreme Media Network. Follow us on Twitter at AV Tech Junkies. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch our show on YouTube by visiting youtube.com forward slash at Justin underscore or underscore Dawson. Previous episodes of our show can be found on our official site, www.allthingstech.ie. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie.